Can you heal from abuse? What do I do after leaving my narcissist? What does a healthy relationship look like? These concerns cross the minds of over 20 people every minute, over 28,800 people every day. And the sad fact is, we still don't talk about it enough. Healing from emotional abuse isn't a band-aid situation, but it doesn't have to take years either. The lives of millions of other survivors around the world have been impacted by their narcissist. Yours doesn't have to. To show you how to live a free, confident, and peaceful life, your host and founder of the Healing from Emotional Abuse philosophy, Marissa F. Cohen. Welcome back to Healing from Emotional Abuse. I'm your host, Marissa Cohen. Marissa F. Cohen, and today we are joined with my amazing friend, Amit Soda, who met, I met in uh, 2019 at a Tony Robbins event, and I'm so excited to have him here. Amit is a transformational coach and a dating expert. He has over 30 years of experience specializing in empowering people through resilience, emotional intelligence, and mindset coaching. Uh, in 2020, Amit won the best blog at the Asian Media Awards, following in the footsteps of some previous notable winners, including Jay Shetty. I don't know who that is, but that sounds pretty awesome. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Amit is also a national radio presenter in the UK and an award-winning blogger, public speaker, podcast host, and continues to inspire through his viral content, having garnered over a million followers on social media across the globe. Welcome, Amit. Thank you so much for being here today. Marissa is lovely. It's been over two, two and a half years since we last saw each other. I know, but it feels like yesterday because 2020 and 2021 don't really count. Zip by. <laughs> well, welcome. So would you mind um, telling us a little bit about yourself more than I more than I said? <laughs> yeah, so <clears throat> so I actually mentioned this uh, on a post I did on Facebook recently because my my journey began at the age of 15. Um so I kind of fell into meditation. I wasn't expecting to. I didn't want to. I had no desire to, but it just so happened. And then very shortly after that, I fell in love with it and became a meditation teacher at the age of 15. And so that kind of started this journey for me of helping people and that self-growth, that spiritual growth. Um, fast forward to 2008, uh, the coaching was going well, but it was one of those things that I just never seemed to be able to wrap my head around dating relationships I was always, in inverted, inverted commas, the nice guy, the one who got friend-zoned, would always be friends with the women who I liked, uh, would always end up being the shoulder to cry on for them. Uh, but I could never, ever seem to get the girl. And I never quite got what I was doing wrong. And when I did stri you know, strike it lucky, get a date or whatever, I was the kind of guy who would end up making the girl feel uncomfortable. And I never realized it. I only realized because I went on a date with this particular girl and we had a mutual friend. I thought the date went great. It was only a couple of days later when I spoke to the mutual friend and she said, you know, she awkwardly called me one day and I could tell something was up. And she said, you know, how do you think the date went? I thought it went great. And she's like, she said, uh, do you know, I think she thought you were a bit creepy. And I was, like, I was a bit taken aback. And I was like, really? I thought I was just being a nice, charming guy. Um, and that was the huge wake up call. So that was the kind of aha moment. I'm doing something seriously wrong here. And it's not for the lack of good intentions, but it's understanding, uh, having a basic understanding of human needs and what it is we want and what other people want and um, being emotionally responsive to that. So, you know, uh, you know, as an example, right, you know, if you're, you know, a, a woman who's looking for a heterosexual partner and you want a man, you genuinely want someone who's uh, a decision maker, quite very good at making decisions and perhaps ambitious as well. And it's not like it, those are just 
you know, things that you would just parry over. It, these are actually genuine, genuine heartfelt needs that we have that we see in someone to be able to see someone want to grow is an attractive feature. It stems from our, you know, 40,000 year old modern brain where we desire someone to be the person who is the go-getter. Uh, and simple things like that, I mean, that's just skirting the surface, but simple things like that, when you start to realize what it is people want, then you can start to not change yourself, but adapt your approach. And that's the key difference. It's not you're changing yourself or anything like that. What we have is innate within us. You, everyone is a natural born comedian. Every, every man is a natural born charmer. Every woman is a natural born you know, mother and a giver. So we have these things that are innate within us, but portraying that to the other partner in a way that will make them feel good and support them. That's what's key, right? So that's some of the things that are missing right now, like slightly controversial. It's a, it's a hot topic at the moment. You know, modern day feminism is that harming relationships. Um, you know, this, I, this one idea of independence, I get it, I understand it, but actually it's also harming as well. Like you've got to be able to open up to having someone in your life. You've got to be open to having someone there who's prepared to do things for you. And if you don't open up, if you don't have that mentality that I'm independent, I do everything myself, I earn my own money, I'm this, I'm that, it can harm your future chances of finding a relationship. That's not to say that the entire you know feminine movement is flawed. It's just understanding that when you take on these titles and saying, I'm an independent woman, be careful of what you attract when you say that. Be careful of what energy you're putting out when you say that. Same goes for guys. You know, if uh, if guys, you know, to, on the opposite side say that, you know, I, I don't want no successful woman. You know, it's, just, it's the same thing, but it's just understanding what it is our deep personal human needs are. And that's okay. There's no need to let your ego drive you and say, no, I don't need someone in my life. I don't need this. I don't need that. Because we all do. We all want companionship. We all want to be with someone we can share experiences with. We all want to be with someone who can enrich our lives and we can enrich theirs. So that's what this is about. So don't make it very personal about these issues. Know what you want and go after it. And so I like a lot of what you said. So um, the, the criteria, I guess, are like the wants, like the personality traits that you look for, that can vary from per person to person, right? I mean, everybody wants something a little bit different. Like I, you know, my husband is great. He's not quite the decision maker, um, but he has other qualities that really attracted me to him. So I think, do you have any advice for how to um, dissect is the wrong word, but how to like pinpoint the qualities that a person may want if they don't know right off the top of their head, oh, I need somebody funny and this and that and this. Is there an exercise that you do that'll help people find that stuff? That's a really good question. No specific exercise, but I do ask, get, get kind of elicit. So one thing um, I say to people is that we do, we do have like two levels of needs, right? So part of it is that whether you want to call it soul needs or, you know, needs of the spirit or anything like that, we do want that. I mean, do you feel, let me ask you a question very quickly with your partner. Do you feel safe when you're around him? Absolutely. Yes. How would you feel if you didn't feel safe around him? How would it make you feel? Very uncomfortable. So that is one of the things that I say is a need of the soul. We all have it, you know, it, it's another manifestation of uh, someone who's the protector, the provider. It's, it's it, again, these are very subtle. We're just using random words here, 
but it's what that that feeling is this is this is the same and so i say to everyone there's differences between soul and role and we've got to understand that actually we have soul needs about what we want and then we have quirks or personality needs right you know so you for example you may like a guy who's got a very mature sense of humor uh and is say for example perhaps quite political in their viewpoint and that's okay that's great no problem at all whereas you know for example my wife thank goodness she likes silly dad jokes right and she you know loves my silly strange weird quirky sense of humor so we all have individual individualities in that sense but i think in from a soul needs perspective we all know what we want sometimes we're just afraid to say it because we may come across as weak or or you know and it's okay and preferences is another word that i use we all have preferences um but i'm always eager to just urge a little bit of caution so i did a tiktok video about this yesterday and i was talking about how sometimes when you become too focused on the outside like for example i'll give you a clear example very it makes it very straightforward and i'll do both genders just to illustrate the point so i see a lot of women say i want a guy who's over 5 foot 10 so are you telling me if he's a wonderful human being satisfied or satisfies all your soul needs he's you know like a, a provider he's he's well versed in life he's a go getter he wants to improve himself in life and you know and do all of these kinds of things are you saying to me that just because he's 5.8 5 foot 8 and a half you're not going to want him ask yourself that question but the thing is is what what happens is then is that we blind ourselves to these prospective partners because we've put the list at the forefront and the soul needs at the back and so and then flip side for the guys i see a lot of guys you know they they could be 45 and say they only want to meet someone who's under 40 um same question are you really going to say no to the ideal woman you know who's 41 she's perfect for you in every way but just because she's outside of your age bracket or even if you've already decided that and you found out someone's 40 but you're not even get 41 but you're not even going to give a chance to know them then think about how many people you have missed out on just because these lists and preferences are at the forefront front i think character should come first and then preferences that i think that's the most important thing so if you want to have preferences everyone has them you know some some guys like curvy girls some guys like slim girls and that's okay that's absolutely fine we've all got our preferences but that's not going to make or break the relationship what is is the character of the person who's there you know are they the kind of person you enjoy spending time with you know sitting on the couch laughing at the most silly things perhaps you both love watching friends over and over again i don't know it could be anything but if you don't have those things in common then i think that's where the relationship can break down we we tend to just put importance on the things that aren't as important as we all think i think i think personally um a lot of that has to do with media influence and tv shows and things like that because you look at you know jennifer lawrence and you know bradley cooper in you know silver linings playbook and you you really shouldn't be attracted to bradley cooper's personality in that movie he's not an attractive person he's not a nice person or even like a safe person but we look at that and then we expect okay well handsome right handsome is the ideal not personality and i think that's a big problem especially when it comes to abusive relationships 
because when you look at movies and TV shows, a ton of characters are super toxic, but they're really attractive. And then they change in the end. So, you know, it, it almost sets people up for, for toxic, abusive relationships. Does that yeah. And yeah, absolutely. And like you said, it's predicated on the notion that eventually they change and that that idea builds up in people's minds. And that's not to say that people don't. But if you're in a bad relationship and you're living constantly in the hope that that person's going to change, but they don't, I mean, you're setting yourself up for failure. So I think when you're when you're starting out in a relationship, you know, if you if you're single uh, and you're just starting dating and you want to make sure that you haven't made mistakes of the past, then think about what are some of the things that happened in your past uh, in those relationships that you've had before that, you know, led to its demise. Like what were the real qualities? Um, you know, slightly more gross example, but just a real clear one. Um, I was, I met up with an old friend. We hadn't, you know, work colleague. We hadn't seen each other for about 10 years, I think. Um, we went for a coffee on Saturday and it just so happens. We started talking about dating relationships. She was single and we talked about, um, she said to me, look, you know, I just came to seem to keep attracting these guys who just want that one thing. And my first response to her was, what's the first line of your dating profile? And it said, not looking for, you know, one night stands or hookups. And I said, hey, voila, there you go. That's the first line of your profile. And guess what you're attracting back? You're putting that energy out there, not putting enough in it, it, you know, input, not putting enough effort to think about what it is you really want and actually stating that. Because that's a powerful thing anyway. That's a very powerful medium just to state what you want. I said to her, if it was me, that line would read something like, for the right guy, I would make the most awesome partner because I'm this, this, and this, and here's what I'm looking for too, or something like that. I mean, like this, just throwing something out in the air. But if you put that as, as a headline, so I say to everyone, when you write a profile, the first two things are always your picture and the first line of your profile. Picture is obviously going to be the first thing that people are going to look at. So, you know, make a bit of effort, try and get some nice pictures done. No bathroom selfies, please. <laughs> please no, no pictures where you can tell that it's you taking a selfie. Even if you do have to take a selfie, make it look like you're not taking one, but make some really nice pictures that you add to your dating profile and get through a four at least. So you can rotate them and, and do a bit of split testing. Let's talk marketing, right? You can do a bit of split testing. <laughs> and see which one works. I used to have like a few, I had one that had a, I was at a barn dance and I had a hat, you know, like a Indiana Jones style hat. And, you know, that was quite a popular one. So I just left that one in. Um, and then the second thing is your, in the same way, we live in a society where we live in a headline culture, right? How do you, how do newspapers or art magazines get your attention? They get your attention with a headline. It's not the picture, it's the headline and big, bold letters. So have a wonderful eye grabbing headline to accompany your picture and that's going to, again, really, you know, start to filter out the ones who are not your people and start to attract the ones who are. So I used to have really, a really stupid, I had a number of headlines of my one, but I, one particular one that I remember well was that I was like, ladies, if you happen to find Chewbacca attractive, then I'm your man because I'm big, tall, hairy. And, you know, I, you know, I'm just like random stuff like that. Um, but it was an honest representation of me. You know, I was a bit of a Star Wars fan. I like Chewbacca. I love the character, you know, and things like that. And so it brought people out just to say, oh, that made me giggle or, oh, that's really cute. You know, he is quite, you know, I quite like Chewbacca. He's so cuddly. Um, and that's the point I was getting across that, like, you're not with me. You're not getting some big butch six pat athlete. You're getting a cuddly type. So there you go. That's me. And so because I did that, it brought out the right times of people for me. 
And so if you can be very clear about and very specific about what you want based on having bad experiences, is not a bad thing. It's good, but learn from those lessons, anything that happened that made you realize that that wasn't your person. Think about any of the red flags that you did actually ask. Whenever I'm coaching someone, I said, I asked them this question during that whole process. When you were with someone, was it anything that gave you cause of doubt? And hundred percent of the time? Yes, there was. Why did you overlook them? I just thought we could make it work or this, that, the other. And they had loads of reasons for it, but they did know deep down that it wasn't really going to be a long-term thing or it was going to be an incredibly hard slog either way. So think about what those things were that really made you, you know, pause for thought in that relationship and make sure that you understand them. Don't put it out there and don't put your blueprint on your dating profile saying, I'm not looking for a guy like this. I'm not looking for a guy like that or a girl like this. I'm not looking for a girl like that. Be clear about what it is you then want and write that on your profile. All right. So, so far I'm tracking three, three pieces of dating advice. The first one is, do you feel safe? Does your partner make you feel safe? And if you can't answer that question with a resounding yes, it might not be right. Dating piece number two is there's two types of needs. There's soul needs and role needs, right? And then the third piece is um, focusing on what you do want, not what you don't want, because that is the wrong people. Absolutely. And the safe thing is just one thing. And that's from a, say, for example, a female perspective to a male perspective. On the flip side, what what do guys really want? Actually, let me ask you, let's let's have a little bit of fun, right? So, um, okay, so you're going out for a night out with your hubby. You've made an incredible amount of effort. You've really put on a beautiful dress. You've done your makeup really nice. Your hair's looking fantastic. You look in the mirror and you feel particularly proud of yourself in that instant, right? And you walk downstairs and you're ready to go. And you say, okay, honey, I'm ready. And he just turns around and says, yeah, okay, let's go. But he doesn't acknowledge how you look. How would that make you, how does that make you feel? I don't like that. That makes me feel like all the effort I put in was worthless. (laughs) I think, I think, look, look, I think if women are being honest, I think pretty much every woman out there would feel like you son of a gun, right? You know, like just for doing <laughs> <You're a> jerk. <laughs> but let me ask, let me ask you a question. What's the flip side of the equation to that? What are the instances, instances in which you think potentially there could have been opportunities to show your partner some love, but didn't. Mm-hmm. So from a, from a female perspective to a male perspective, what do you think? Uh, that it's possibly important for him, but maybe he didn't get it, but never said anything because, you know, typical guy, maybe he just didn't want to say anything and just walked away in a bit of a tiny grump and held it for about a day, but then eventually forgot about it. But, but then over time that builds up. What could have happened in that scenario? Yeah. Just like, like, just think of a flip side to the, the, the you dressing up scenario. What is it from a guy's perspective? Do you think? I'll give you, I'll give you an answer. Right? So I'll give you an example. <laughs> so like when, when my wife and I met, we, you know, we used to joke around about, you know, the certain things we would do in a relationship and wouldn't do. And she happened to mention, she said, I hope you realize I'm never taking out the rubbish. And I said to her, that's absolutely fine. I, I don't mind getting my hands dirty. That's not a problem at all. To me, all clean toilets, you know, I actually enjoy cleaning toilets and putting the rubbish out. I don't mind it. You know, <laughs> getting my hands dirty is fine. I feel manly when I do it. But what's important was, and what she does do is even the little things she'll say, thank you. And she'll make me feel special just for doing even small, even the daily routine tasks. She'll make me feel special and think, say, thank you. I appreciate it. Honey, you're so great. You take out the rubbish. You do these little things for me. Feel so nice. Thank you. That's for me, one example of the flip side. 
and making sure that in the same way that he looks after your needs, that you also look after his soul needs as well. Uh, and like I said, it's just one example of many, but it's a bi- it is a big one, actually. Um, just making sure that he has the appreciation in the same way that you get the adoration. I like that. So it's it's a mutual appreciation, always showing each other the same respect and kindness and love. And I think that's important in any relationship. If you're not communicating well and your partner's not respecting you, I mean, that alone is a recipe for a bad, toxic relationship. Definitely. Yeah. If you feel it's very weighted in one direction, that's an immediate red flag there. And be honest with yourself as well. You know, I I hear so many people, I'm coaching people every day, day in, day out. And I hear so many examples of, people in relationships where they weren't appreciated, they weren't, and, you know, if anything, they were put down um, for, you know, and they're making all the effort, doing everything they can, but all they hear is negativity on the flip side, on from the other side, and that is it. Um, but they, they stuck it out for a long period of time. I'm like, God, if that was me, I would have been out there in about half an hour. <laughs> no, we, we joke, obviously, when you love someone, it, you know, it's easy to overlook, but, but definitely whatever you do, do not make that mistake again. Don't do that same thing twice. Um, remember, it's got to be both ways. It's not It's not like it's, you know, 50-50 every single day. And we always talk about the fact that actually a relationship is 100-100. And some days, you know, one partner's going to make more and the other one's going to, you know, do more as well. And, you know, you're going to have ebbs and flows both ways. And that's okay. But so long as over a period of time, you realize that actually you're having a, a really bad day. They'll all actually be there for you and look out for you and say, you know, honey, are you okay? Is there anything I can do? You know what? Sit down. I'll make you a cup of tea, that kind of thing. Right. You know, that at least they're there supporting you through those ebbs and flows. Right. Right. And if it over time only feels one-sided, you're doing all the work, then it's not a healthy relationship. That makes a ton of sense. Yeah, um, Absolutely. Do you have one more crucial piece of relationship advice for listeners? Yeah, I do. Uh, actually, <laughs> I've, got, I've got loads. <laughs> um, Come here, you know, next you know, one. Yeah, no, you know, dating and relationships are one of these things that we don't get taught in school. Um, and it's it's so it's not one of these things we automatically know as we're growing up. We don't. No one tells us, you know, like uh, I often use the example sometimes that, for example, in South Asian culture, it's definitely missing because we've grown up with um, there being more of the kind of the arranged marriage type of thing. And our parents were very shy and our grandparents were very shy about saying, you know, how they met their partner or was there any courting or anything like that. And often there wasn't there wasn't any of that whereas i you know i speak to my english counterparts in the uk and i ask them you know you know what did you learn about your grandparents and their relationship and things like that and they'll often hear stories of you know during the war you know one of them saw each other at the party and walked up to them and said would you like to my lady would you like to dance you know kind of thing and it was very uh, candid and just like you know straightforward but there was an element of that you know you know, for, for them, from the guy's perspective of being the, the stepping up, being the man kind of thing and going out there and just asking the woman that you like and women doing the things that they needed to do, and, you know, being ready to say yes, or, you know, playing hard to get or whatever it might've been. There was, you know, some of this nice, beautiful uh, back and forth play that you get. That you, it's nice to have in a relationship, but we don't get, we, we don't get taught any of this at school anyway. So whatever we do learn, we just learn by picking up on friends, family, TV, media, whatever. And often it's just a mishmash 
of bits of information, but it's never the complete picture. So I say to everyone, if you're struggling and you genuinely don't know, uh, you know what, speak to a coach because I'm telling you there's some incredible relationship coaches out there and dating coaches. And of course, you know, one right here, but, <laughs> but there are loads, you know, and so it, rather than going through the pain of yo-yoing and going in and out of dating and relationships, if you're really serious about finding a partner that becomes your forever person, then make, you know, take that step. It may cost you. I, don't, I mean, I don't know. It's so varied, right. Depending on where you go, but you could probably get a decent one for a thousand bucks. And that's, I know it sounds like a lot of money at first glance, but it's not, it really isn't. How much are you going to spend on a wedding? You know, 20,000, 30,000. I mean, that's small fry in South Asian culture. I mean, a hundred thousand is an average price, you know, pounds. So it's what, $150,000. Oh um, and out of that, you know, just spend 1% or much less getting someone to help you so that you narrow that window down of, you know, from where you are now to where you want to be. And that is meeting your forever person rather than it becoming a five-year gap, turn it into a one-year gap. Wouldn't you be so glad? Like, I mean, everyone I speak to over 35 is, you know, always got some regrets. They're like, oh, I wish I'd done this. I wish I hadn't done that. And um, so if you're, you know, if you're someone like a lot of the people I speak to, they are over 35 where they are starting to feel those regrets and thinking I wasted so much time on the wrong people. I don't want to do that anymore get the right help uh, and you know as an analogy i am never going to do my own accounts i am rubbish at accounting so i'll pay an accountant because there's no point in me trying to do it and figure out it would just take me forever so get a dating coach get help uh, and just just they will help you close those few gaps in your knowledge just enough look not everyone else is out there to be a dating coach but they will help you close those little gaps my most recent success story was actually a coaching client that out of six sessions, we've only had two. And on Monday, he already left my Google testimonial and said, I don't need your sessions anymore. You've really helped me enough. Mm -hmm. And so he, after session one, he went on a date with a girl who wanted to be serious and exclusive with them. And he said to me, the reason was because I did all the things you told me to do. And they're taking it slowly, but he's decided, actually, I'm going to invest in this, not going to date anymore. And we're going to see where this is going to go. And I said, congrats. Good luck. I really hope it goes well. I'll be here on the other end of the phone. If you need any advice, of course, always, but all the best. And, you know, he was someone who was a little bit hesitant with the price, but he did it. He paid. And, you know, uh, you can literally see it on my Google page, business page. It's there and in black and white. And, you know, I look at something like that and I think I, I feel, I feel proud, but I also think, thank goodness he made that choice that he just did it. You know, he did hesitate a little bit, but he, then he just did it. He just thought, sod it. I'm just going to do it. And he did. And it's paid dividends. So don't be someone who's going to be kicking yourself up the butt five years down the line, thinking I wasted all this time. I wish I did it. Just don't do it. Get some help. And most dating coaches I know will at least give you 30 minutes free. If you don't like it, you don't want them. Don't worry about it. You're never obligated to continue but at least have that conversation and get that help. That's awesome. That's <clears throat> great advice. Thank you so much for being here. Um, I really, really appreciate you speaking to me and to my listeners. You have so much value to add. How can people contact you? Uh, best way is probably on my website, unlimitedchoice.org. Uh, all my links are there. Everything is there. You can find me there. And of course, you can if you want to find me on social media, I post daily TikToks, Instagram, uh, Facebook, YouTube, or wherever else as well that you could, it's possible. Pinterest. <laughs> so yeah, you can find me everywhere. 
Perfect. All right. Well, I'll put all your links and stuff um, in the show notes, but thank you again so much for being here and for all of your advice. And uh, I, I just really appreciate always talking to you because you're awesome. So. Uh, well, you're, you're a superstar, Marissa. And thank you for having me. It's been an p- absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Healing from Emotional Abuse podcast today. Before you go, it's important that you know that what you're feeling is normal. Everyone responds to trauma, narcissism, and abuse differently. Our brains go into survival mode to protect us from harm. But I want to make sure you know that you're not alone. I'm here, and I want to brainstorm ways that I can help ease your healing journey. Imagine you're standing on a cliff, and on the other side of a deep canyon is the life that you dream of. A partner who connects with you, supports you, and empowers you, and makes you laugh and smile. A life filled with freedom, confidence, and peace. Good friendships, strong relationships. I've been where you are now. I've been standing on that edge, dreaming of the life that I have now. And I built the bridge between where you are and that dream that seems unreachable. I've walked this path with thousands of survivors who live a free, confident, and peaceful life now. Let's walk this path together. If you enjoyed this podcast, you have to check out www.marissafaycohen.com backslash private dash coaching. That's www.marissafaycohen.com backslash private dash coaching. Marissa would love to develop a made for you healing plan to heal from emotional abuse. She does all the work and you just show up. Stop feeling stuck, alone, and hurt and live a free, confident, and peaceful life. Don't forget to subscribe to the Healing from Emotional Abuse podcast and follow us on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash Marissa F. Cohen and Instagram at marissa.fay.cohen. We'd love to see you there.